0: So I wanted to introduce our next guest. Her name is Sharon Duglin. She's the mother of two adult children, proud grandmother to an adorable grandson. Oh my gosh. Sharon is just amazing. She loves to encourage women to be their best. She's got some really important things to be able to share with you guys. So please um, tune in and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to season three of my podcast. I am Amanda Blackwood, the survivor. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. For those of you who didn't know, now you do. Keeping in line with that, this entire season is going to be focused on interviewing other trauma survivors who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. Get ready to hear from some truly incredible people. hang on for a moment through this brief advertisement this is what currently pays for the show of course i will also take donations through paypal to keep the show running or you can show support by a simple book purchase i have quite a few out there just look for books by amanda blackwood on amazon or barnes and noble your purchase does go to helping to support local organizations that help fight human trafficking also Good afternoon and welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited, you guys. I have a young lady by the name of Sharon with me today. She is an author and, of course, another survivor. And she has such an incredible story. I can't wait to have her share it with you. So without anything further, I'm just going to introduce her. And uh, Sharon, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Amanda. Thank you.
0: I'm so happy that we connected. So, we were originally connected um, because of um, uh, TikTok. So yes. I saw your post and you, your comment, and I asked you what your book was about. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait for other people to hear what it's about <laughs> too now. This is exciting for me. I'm really yes, happy to please. have you with me.
1: Thank you. It's a so, pleasure to be here.
0: So before we get too far into everything, tell me a little bit about, we're hearing crickets. So where did you grow up? What's your family life like? Where are you from? Tell us that kind of good stuff.
1: You're hearing the crickets because I'm in the beautiful island of Barbados. Wow. I was born in Barbados and so is my family.
0: Wow. And then you've been there your whole life? Yes, please. Wow. That's amazing. I've always wanted to go. (laughs)
1: You should come someday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think my husband would like it too. Yeah. So, what was your family life like? Have you got brothers and sisters? Have you got your Have your parents always been there in Barbados?
1: My parents have always been here. However, I do have a brother and a, a sister. I am the eldest one, but we weren't. We didn't grow up together. My grandmother was the one that raised me from the time I was nine months from the age of nine months. Wow. Yes. So I didn't grow up with my mother and father and that had a real big impact on me. I bet it did. Yes.
0: Yeah. So what kind of, what was the form of trauma that you've had to overcome in your life? What What was your biggest challenge?
1: My My trauma was when I was nine years old, still living at my grandparents' house. One day, just one day, I was left alone while she went to run an errand. So I was looking through my bedroom window, just looking at her, walking down the street. And I felt a presence in my room. I knew there was someone at the house with me, but he was working in the garage, fixing cars and stuff. When I looked around, I noticed it was him. He was in my room and he came closer to me and he was saying, oh, your granny's walking really quickly. And he just like lured me away from the the window watching her and took me to the bed. And that was my first experience with sex. So right there in that short space of time, I was sexually abused. Wow. And to make it to make it worse and the thing is the person that did it to me was my pastor at the time so that was I, I just went down a, a whole downward spiral I really was confused then I had to be silent because he kept telling me to not say anything then I became a pretender because I had to pretend that everything was okay when inside I was just in total
0: turmoil. Absolutely. I mean, anybody who's been through any kind of a sexual assault can definitely understand that. But I mean, especially when you start talking about this was your pastor, this was somebody who had a position of authority. Uh, They were trusted, they were respected in the community. I mean, I can imagine that would probably uh, turn everything upside down. Did you feel like it was okay to tell anybody what had happened?
1: No, because he kept warning me. And because like you said, he was so and still is very highly respected in society. And like he told me, who's going to believe you? So how dare I, as a child, come up and say to someone, oh, he did this to me, you know, because, and Amanda, he's correct, because recently I told my relatives what happened. And they still don't believe me. They're still protecting him. And they even stopped speaking to me. So, you know, sometimes these people are correct when they say that no one would believe you because of the position they hold.
0: So, yeah, he was right. They still don't believe me. Yeah. Yeah, I can completely understand that, too. Um, I don't you probably don't know a whole lot about my story but the man who trafficked me was a police officer in Scotland whoa so, that position of authority it just yeah. it makes everything so much more difficult and people believe well this person couldn't ever do something like that uh-huh. because look at who they are in society and that's so uh-huh. far from being true yes so how do you feel like it's impacted your life having gone through this what all struggles did you face because of it
1: oh to begin with was my self-esteem yeah I felt like a nobody and I think because of that it kind of attracted other men to me it's almost like they could see that I was no longer innocent and it caused men to be attracted to me even as a child and approaching me even to have sex with me or to say, you know, things in a sexual manner. But I struggle a lot with my self-esteem. I was very angry. I had a lot of anger and rage. So I would get into fights at school and the downfall for the persons that I got into fights with was that they were receiving the, the the anger that I really had for him. So, yeah, I, I dealt with that a whole lot. And I, I stopped playing because I didn't feel like a child anymore. I I, I wanted to isolate myself. You know, th- those were some of the things I faced at such a young age.
0: Man, and starting at nine. Yeah. I mean, it's not very common that a, a nine-year-old would have such lethal thoughts about themselves.
1: Hmm. Yes. And it even pushed me to the the point that I tried to slip my own wrists because it was too much. And the thing is, it got too much because here it is. I still have to go to church. I still have to see him. He's still coming at my grandparents' house regularly. So there's no escape. I still have to see him all the time. And I thought the only way out was to take my life. But God had other
0: plans for me. Yeah. Absolutely. So you said that one of the biggest things that you found that were that was helping you was journaling. Um, And that, of course, is going to lead into us talking about your book. But what else did you have that that was able to help you to get through this? Because I know there's a young lady out there that's listening right now. Uh, She's 14 years old. She's been through a sexual assault and she's scared and she knows that she cannot tell her family Um, and she doesn't know what to do. What would you tell this young lady?
1: I will tell her, because if I had it, I would have used it. I'm sure that there is someone there that she can go to and speak to that person and tell them, and there will be the lifeline for her. I wish I had that. But apart from that, or it could be even your teacher, you know, if I had, if I had the sense back then to even tell my teacher, because I had teachers that really liked me and, and took me on like a daughter, especially the female teachers, you know, if I, if I had just said something, even if they couldn't go and approach him, at least it would have taken the load off my shoulders. Sometimes it's just taking the load off and not having to carry the weight of the secret all by yourself. I think that that will help.
0: Absolutely. Do you think that your family um, has started to accept a little bit of maybe what happened to you, even if they're not willing to accept who it was that did it?
1: I am not sure if they have started to accept that because like I told you, they're not, they don't connect with me since I told them what happened. Not a word, nothing.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's I'm familiar with that one too.
1: Yes. But however, I did tell his daughter, his daughter is a, a grown uh, um, woman and she broke down in tears and she said, you know what, Sharon, I believe you because it's no way that you would reach out for me because I had to go and search social media to find her. And she said, it's no way that you would reach out to me if this was a lie. And then she said, you know what? I'm wondering who else it happened to. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I
0: hope it didn't happen to her.
1: I don't know. She never said anything. Wow. Yes.
0: So what resources or services were you able to put to use to help you move past what you'd been through?
1: Oh, therapy was a great resource for me. I was able to go and sit and be, it took some time though, sit and be vulnerable with the therapist and just feel safe in that environment and just tell all the things I have bottled up, all the secrets I was able to tell. And, that, and those persons walk me through every step. And I am so thankful for that process because that lifted a lot of weight off of my shoulders. And then when I found out that it wasn't my fault, it wasn't because of the way it was shaped, it wasn't anything to do with me, Amanda that was that was like freedom, because for many years, I blamed myself. I thought it was something that I
0: did. Yeah. I think that's Mm -hmm. something that a lot of us survivors go through. Mm, Um, Yeah. And my self-blame actually has kind of deep roots, too. When I was Mm -hmm. little, my mother uh, used to tell me all the time, well, if this is happening to you and it's several people, then... Uh, there's something wrong with you and you're the one that's causing these problems. So everything bad that happened to me from then on, I was continually blaming myself, even though I was outwardly trying to say, this isn't my fault and I didn't do this. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was not taking responsibility for things that were my fault. And I was taking absolute responsibility for everything that wasn't.
1: (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's not easy.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, it was it was a little nutty. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at your book right now. I absolutely love this book cover. You are just Thank you. exuding so much joy and happiness. And <laughs> you look so alive. Uh, for those of you who want to look it up while you're listening to the podcast, please do so. Um, it's called Made for More by Sharon Dougland uh, overcoming self-doubt and the cycle of abuse. And this is, this book is going to be so helpful for so many people. In fact, I know somebody that I may actually need to give this to as a Christmas gift. Um, (laughs) (laughs) this is, it's just fantastic. So tell me about your book. How did you start to write? Why did you decide to write?
1: Yes, I started, to write because I love journaling and I was putting dumping all my thoughts and everything into my journals and then I started a small a blog really on Facebook called the essence of Ronnie where I would just share some of my personal stories and then at the end I would always encourage women you know you are made for more you can get over this you know life can be better than what you are going through and so on. And then whenever I am in conversations with women the topic of abuse always comes up whether it's sexual physical financial mental abuse always comes up and then they're always so they're always looking around the room to see if anyone can hear them because they're still keeping a secret they still want this thing to be kept quiet and I yeah. decided, you know what, it is time that someone speaks up. And if that's someone has to be me, let it be me. So I decided, let me be the voice to the voiceless and put it in a book. And that's what I did. I must tell you that writing a book was not an easy task. It wasn't easy for me to be vulnerable knowing that The world is going to see this information. So there were periods that I had to stop. I had to cry it out, prepare myself for the world to see it and know that when they see it, they're going to come and say Oh, you're so brave. I didn't know this happened to you because that's exactly what is happening now. So that when they come to me and say that it wouldn't have the impact on me, like I'll be looking to cry or whatever. But I will be at the place where I can help them go through whatever they're facing. So writing the books also serve as therapy for me because there were things that I recognize that I had to remember, and and remembering them, I had to stop, stop writing, deal with it, process it, and then continue. So it has been a a way of healing for me, I must say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. I did the exact same thing where you get through something really (laughs) difficult and you have to stop and take a step back and focus on you for a little while and Uh process what you're feeling and get through it. Uh And did you find in some of those moments that um, sometimes reliving those things in your brain that you start to understand why you react certain ways to something that happens now? exactly oh my gosh
1: exactly (laughs) yes oh my gosh it's crazy a, a big thing for me too was when i first sent it off to the editor i cried my eyes out because here it is i'm i'm sending this manuscript with all of these details to a total stranger so in that moment i felt exposed yes but I was glad that I was able to cry out because when she called me back and she was like, I am so angry right now based (laughs) on what I'm seeing in this manuscript. And I was able to tell her, I understand. She said, are you sure you're prepared for the world to see this? I said, yes. I went through the process and I'm prepared. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I tell people all the time, hey, if you're going to read this book, just know that this is going to be a difficult subject. The chapters are short to give you time and opportunity to walk away from it and come back when you're ready.
1: Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. and yes. it's
0: important to do that. I mean, when you're reading heartbreaking stories or when you're hearing somebody else, it can be a real challenge to get through it. Mm-hmm, I tell people mm-hmm. that all the time in the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. we can, you can pause us. It's okay. (laughs) Yes. You can come back to this when something hits you a little hard and you're tearing up and your brain's kind of going sideways. It's okay to pause and come back. It is
1: true. Yeah. It's true.
0: Um, So I'm going to ask you here in a moment to do a sample reading from your book. If you're willing to share that with our audience. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, Do you want to set that up and tell us what part it is that you're going to read to us?
1: I will tell you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what if I read the part about my father? Okay. Can I go ahead?
0: Yep, go for it.
1: All right. This is chapter two and it's entitled My Father. Let me tell you a little about my father. Between the ages of seven and eight years old, he came to live with us as he was very ill. How ill? I had no idea. I didn't know much about him except that he was handsome, tall, slim, and wore a round boot on his left ankle. I was told that he had fallen from a coconut tree and damaged his foot, resulting in amputation. That didn't, stop my, that didn't stop him from being an excellent ballroom dancer and a truck driver at Pine Hill Dairy, where he worked for many years. During his illness, my father's urine was bloody, and he was constantly vomiting. He would lie in bed as he had become very weak, so I assisted him wherever possible. I remember him leaning on me as he took feeble steps into the orchard, and that meant a lot to me. Finally, I had my father's attention, though not the way I wanted. At least he was finally around. I would rush home on evenings just to be with him and assist however I could. When I told my classmates that my father was living with us, and that he was sick they found it to be a topic of laughter and they mocked me when I refused to stay after school to play with them should I continue
0: I'm enjoying it if you're good with continuing (laughs) I I don't mind okay going on a little bit more
1: (laughs) they would say things like go long home to your sick father you can't even play with us anymore We aren't playing with you when you come to school tomorrow either. Those were just some of the harsh remarks I received. But that never stopped me from feeling excited. I would speed walk and run just to get home to spend time with him. Being in my father's company began to make me feel less abandoned. But things took a turn for the worse. One evening I got home and the house felt empty. It was an eerie feeling. When I rushed to his room, he wasn't there. My grandmother told me he had gotten worse and was rushed to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, but that he would be back. I wasn't sure what she meant. All I heard was that he would be back, and I believed that. I wasn't allowed to visit him, however, because I was too young for hospital visits. On the fourteenth of may nineteen eighty one after arriving home from school, I was greeted with the news that my father was dead.
0: Oh oh my gosh wow that's that's heavy! Yes, how old were you when your dad passed?
1: I was around probably around ten or so oh
0: my gosh all
1: no, so, no, I was eight. I was eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was shortly before the abuse. After.
0: Oh, it was after the abuse. Wow. I was
1: nine when, yes. So my okay. father wasn't around as, you know, so it happened after. Wow. So further I go on to say, what does dead mean? I ponder, I knew what dead meant when it came to the animals that we reared especially the chickens. But this was my father. He is sleeping in heaven. I will never wake up again, my grandmother told me. But you told me he was coming back. I cried profusely. I didn't process his death well. Even though he was ill, I had just started spending time with him. And now he was dead and in heaven. I was livid and felt as though my family had lied to me. Mm. I even began to wonder if he had run off with his girlfriend and her children as he was living with them before he had returned home. All my heart kept murmuring was, he doesn't want you. Cancer not only killed him, but it killed my chance of spending more moments with him. (sighs)
0: wow yeah take a deep breath there oh my gosh yes 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 is it hard to read that kind of stuff out loud do you have to relive it again every time
1: i think it gets better every time i i read it yeah and i've had a lot of years to to process it as well yeah yes
0: that definitely helps Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way there, too. It's just it gets easier the more often I do it. But it's never going to be necessarily easy.
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly. So and I understand that you are currently in the process of forming Made for More Ministries. Can you tell me about (laughs) the the ministries? This is super exciting. This is cool.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I've been encouraged and people are just pushing me and saying, Sharon, you need to do this. You need to set up a ministry where women can come and be healed. So my vision for this entire thing is I want to have a ministry where women are free to be themselves where they can come and they can share their stories, where they can come and hear my story as I put it over in a, in a, let's say in a naked form without any pretense or wearing any mask. I want the lives of women to be transformed. I think too many times we deal on surface levels and I want to go a little deeper. You know, of course, I will need assistance, especially having someone trained, you know, a trained therapist or a psychologist to help me along the way. Because sometimes people need, some people like to have people that are qualified in the room, you know? Right. So, yes. So I want to see women transform. I want to see them come out of that shell that abuse keeps people in. I want those shackles to be broken. I want them to come into the more that they were created for. Because abuse tends to put limits on you and you feel stuck. Until those limits are lifted, until the the clothes are removed from your eyes or over your head, then you realize there's so much more to me. There's so much more to life. So that is where my vision is. And that is what I'm going to be pursuing.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's amazing. (laughs) I cannot wait to see this take off and this to become a way for me to be able to send people, hey, you need help. You need to talk to somebody. I know just the place. I know just the person because people come to me with that kind of stuff. And I can't wait. Thank you. So when are you looking at launching? Is that going to be within the next year or so?
1: Yes, please. Awesome. That's
0: fantastic. Yes. (laughs) So there's always a couple of fun questions that I love to ask people. And one of them (laughs) is who inspires you the most and why?
1: Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) I I like Oprah. I like that she's the type of person that tells her story. I like the fact that she has struggled and she has made something of herself. She understood that there was more. She understood that she was made for more. And I like the fact that she has not forgotten that she looks back and she reaches back and lends a hand. To those that are in need. Isn't like she's selfish with her wealth. I like that about her, that she's always seeking to help people, especially those young girls in the homes that she has in Africa, to, Mm -hmm. to make the school rather, to make sure that she those girls receive an education. I like that she still has that caring nature and that she was bold enough to share her story about her early pregnancy and then she talked about how she and her mom they weren't close and then she understood maybe her mom didn't know any better in the way that she treated her so i like her for her vulnerability and the fact that she's wealthy and kind
0: i love that yeah there's definitely (laughs) a lot of good reasons to love oprah yes I don't remember it myself, but my mother, when I was little, my mother would watch her as the weather lady.
1: Oh. (laughs) Yeah, it was a
0: long time before she became famous or rich. And she was the sweetest little weather lady. And my mom loved watching her on the news. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. And the last question I always ask. I always love this one. It's very, very important, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Name at least one thing that you love about yourself that's not based on your physical appearance.
1: Okay. (laughs) I like the fact that I'm not one of those persons that will give in or give up. I like that I still have that fight in me to to keep going to see what is beyond what my eyes can see. I like that I still have that that um, personality that will power to keep pushing and keep going amidst all that I have been through, amidst what is facing me currently. I still keep going. Awesome. I'm.
0: I am just in awe of you. I think you're amazing. I think your story is amazing.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. You're just a really cool person, Sharon. Yes, please. (laughs) Yes. So if you don't mind, I'm going to be sending you a friend request on Facebook here in a little bit. Um, Sure. But I also wanted other people to know that there are a couple of different ways that they can find you to learn more about your book. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about those a little bit? How can people find you?
1: They can find me on TikTok as Sharon Duglin1. They can also find me on Facebook as Sharon P. Duglin or on my other page, The Essence of Ronnie. Very
0: cool. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm going to be including links and stuff in the description of the podcast. So if you guys Thank are you. looking for that, then you know where to go. Um, and a direct link over to the Amazon page where you can check out Sharon's book, which is in my shopping cart right now. And <laughs> as I'm speaking, I just clicked on place your order. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope we can get a few more people to do that for you too. Because I would yes. love to see your book take off. I'd love to see your ministry take off.
1: I would love that as well. Yes. Thank
0: Sharon, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate you. You're amazing. Thank you. All thank right. you for having me. Of course. And we will talk to you soon. I'll probably talk to you on TikTok here in a couple minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See you. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode make sure that you head on over and check out the episode description you will find links on how you can both support this podcast and how you can actually follow this author on social media check out their website find their books find their blogs whatever it is that they provide me with is what i provide in the episode description so check it out go support our people